Shut up and sit down. Hello and good morning. This is Elite Rugby Banter, the podcast about rugby. Make the dreams earlier, earlier than ever. Um, joining me today is Alex. He is in the Elite Rugby Banter TMO box. Uh, he's, he's having uh, power issues, so we sent him over to Newlands uh, to broadcast from there. Alex, how are you? Morning, Adam. Uh, I'm okay. I'm a bit hungover, as you can probably hear. Um, and I don't have any electricity, but... I've got a cup of coffee so from somewhere. I managed to scrounge a cup of coffee. So, yeah, I'm, I'm as bad as good as can be expected under the circumstances. Did, yeah, did you get uh, your uh, cup of coffee from Taylor's office since, since you are at Newlands? In, in the ER? Uh, no, they, wouldn't, they don't let me in there anymore, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. For obvious reasons. Uh, I'm surprised to get him in. Anyway. <laughs> so your breakfast, um, as a result, you just said you ended up getting a croissant. It was your breakfast watch. So, uh, uh, or, or, yeah, it's like a bacon and egg kind of something or other sounds good I, I just had yep. some i just had some um, scrambled scrambled eggs and tea uh, and with us as well matt how's it going not bad not bad not bad not bad she's yeah. uh, i like what, you, what you double up. a double not bad you know yeah you're, you're mixing it up like dj fresh uh ben ben said he he is running oh, a little bit late oh, i'm here yeah. i'm here yeah what you talking about hey <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ben. Jeez, out of nowhere. Uh, okay, I'll get you now, Ben. Matt, what did you have breakfast? Uh, I, I was a bit, so I was, at, I was at the shops, and then my wife's uncle needed to buy a Weber, and I couldn't let him do something like that by himself. Fair enough. Okay, that's enough. actually, that's, as reasons go <laughs> for being good. late for the pod, that's that's one of the better ones. Sammy, yeah. man, yeah. to making sure he buys the right bry. That, that is quite a, quite a good uh, thing. He bought the beast of a weeber. I'm very proud of him, actually. Nice. So that, send, me the de- send me the details. I need one. I need one soon as well. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll send some. I'll send some photos later. It's hashtag a good one. Uh, okay. weeber. If you're listening, uh, you know, you can help us out. That'd be nice. Uh, Matt, oh, sorry, I will tweet that from the official from the official group for a sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, what, what, I think I, I think our outdoor our outdoor grill uh, sponsor is blank at the moment, eh? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely yeah we're we're between we're in between sponsors. Yes, um, I was gonna sorry Matt, what did you have for breakfast? So I've been trying to ask that question um, for a minute. Ben's talking about I've had like weepers. I've had like two cups of coffee and I'm now on a cup of tea. Um, I haven't eaten anything. That yet. doesn't sound very nutritious. Ah, this it's ginger and lemongrass tea, so oh. that's got vitamins in, I'm sure. Oh, you fancy Western Cape types with your ginger and lemongrass tea. Uh, ben, oh, ben, ben, glad you're here. Uh, what did you have for breakfast? It's now um, just past 10:30 uh, in Mauritius. Oh, yeah, I had some. Uh, I actually had a great breakfast. So I just had a lion, and then well, not a, like not an active lion. I just slept for longer than my wife did. So she got up, did oh. some washing, made some pancakes. So I had pancakes, strawberry, oh. banana, cinnamon, sugar. Oh. So there, there were blueberries on offer, but I didn't actually eat any blueberries because I personally think it's quite an overrated berry. Yeah. Mm. Living the dream. You guys, you, guys are, you guys are still staying with us when you come to visit in April, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just, what, double checking. Is that like what that. you want for breakfast? <laughs> uh, well, you know, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to I'm not gonna force it. <laughs> you got, got to play it as it lies, really, with breakfast. <laughs> I can do that. That I can do. Okay, let's uh, let's get into the news section. It's going to be a relatively short one because uh, we have way more important things to talk about. Um, first off, 
uh, I think most of the news actually comes from England just to change change things up a little bit. Saracens, they played Harlequins uh, last night, but Saturday's match, it was the first, it was at the Stoop, was the first free-to-air premiership game on NBC United States as efforts continue to crack uh, the U.S. market. I mean, Wales played South Africa and Washington. Um, so that's interesting that uh, I know the Spanish were talking about playing a, game, a, a soccer match there uh, for this coming season that has been met with tons of opposition. It's just interesting to see how... I feel like this is a less invasive and annoying way to try and let Americans watch rugby. Maybe we should give them some free Super Rugby games or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you don't want to take necessarily have exhibition games there because that actually takes away from the home fans because yeah. they're getting cheated out of a trip to the stadium. But you, if you get the free-to-air, then you're definitely reaching like a much wider market than you would with a live game anywhere. And you get to still get your home win. So, I think it's like a win-win. Yeah, we should yeah, definitely yeah. be doing that. Although, although that said, if we're going to be airing rugby games for free on any channel, it should be SABC before we even think about NBC. <laughs> True. Yeah, so. I just also note that the Sevens World Cup it, it generated a lot of money, but a considerable loss for USA Rugby, which has undergone an overhaul amid the financial plight of its commercial on rugby international marketing, in which the RFU and Harlequins were investors. Um, so people talk about yeah. America as the promised land uh, of rugby. So I think it's, I feel like this sort of approach is a little bit, at least a, a little bit easier. I was going to say, this, picking a Saracens game would be a bit unfair if you want to showcase rugby in America, because Saracens, they're good, but they play a bit of a boring game. So you're not going to attract, you're not attracting too many new guys to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know, maybe just just sort of the... Because maybe they don't need, like, cheap thrills rugby. Maybe they just need to sort of understand the basics. And as basics uh, go, the Saracens do that pretty well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but you want to hook them first, though, right? Like, you... Yeah. You want you, to you want them just... the What is the sport? Like, it's crazy. I need to find out more about it. And then yeah, be like, okay, sh- well, you know, here's a Stormer scrum. What do you think about that? Well, what the pre- <laughs> what the pre- what the premiership says that uh, yeah sure that the crowd sizes um, are not great, but they also hosting clinics and they're doing community stuff. So they they're kind of saying that they kind of go a little bit deeper in terms of the impact that they're seeking to make. So maybe that's also the way to do it. You got to really get your hands dirty. You can't just fly by night. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but there was also that thing about how the, the French clubs are going to be lending the, the National Rugby yeah. League in America players. Yeah, the, the Major League guys are sending, what, 30 players over on a two-year lead alone? Yeah. I think that's a bit scummy, uh, don't you think? Uh, uh, look, as long as it's not actually French players, so it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. like your, your, your Bismarck, Duplessis, and so forth, so you... I kind of I look at it for the French side. It's actually a bonus because they're going to be losing a lot of guys, and there's going to hopefully be gaps for actual French players in their teams. And it's an injection of experience in the. I think overall, it's I think it's going to be all right. Overall, that financially wise, I don't really see the sense, but I'm sort of for the actual game, I see sort of growth potential on, on both sides. One's going to get an injection of experience, and the other side's going to hopefully have space for their national guys to come up. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Sorry, Ben. I remember we were talking about this group the other day, and someone was saying that 
that in France there are like 30 professional rugby teams or something. Yeah, they've got yes. top 14 and then the next year down as well. But, but like, you know, in South Africa, we say, no, we have this sort of oversaturation of professionals. But if you compare it, like, 30 international teams probably has, between them, what, 1,500 players on their books around that? Yeah, but, I mean, of those 1,500, you must probably be looking at, like, 700 are French. But I think that, I think when they do talk about us and how we're going to minimize and all that, they always do say France is the leader in professional rugby players in their country. They always mention sure France then. having the most pros. Uh, in terms of number. Yeah, but we but always, I, I, we rank, I think we rank second behind France or something silly like that. Yeah, I know, I know England has a lot, but obviously they have more money. But yeah. do you know what I'm saying that? Like, because um, obviously last week was the Ryder Cup golf. And yeah. then previously there was something else. And I, I was very impressed with how well the French support their local sport. Oh, yeah, no, they... If you, so so ma- maybe it's sustainable because the French actually watch rugby, unlike South Africa, who watch it on TV. The guys are yeah. saying... What did, who was it? Where was it? I can't remember. Someone was saying, I don't know if it was on Facebook, that there are still parts of France, slightly more the rural areas, where rugby's still the sort of preferred sport over soccer in like parts of mm. France still. I think in the south of France it's quite it's quite big. Yeah, like Toulon, Toulouse along the, like the I mean my geography's not great but yeah in the south of France. Okay. I'm making this up. I don't know. I don't know where rugby's big. I'm sorry. Let's move on. We're going down a little bit of, of, of a rabbit hole here. So uh, let's quickly get through the other piece of news. It, it comes through from uh, England. Uh, Joe Marler, uh, he will not face any disciplinary action from the RFU over comments outlining how he used to try to get himself suspended to avoid England duty. Uh, it is understood Marler was contacted by the RFU for further car- clarification over his remarks, but the matter will not be taken. Uh, any further, uh, he just said he had never deliberately done anything on the rugby pitch uh, or offered to get a ban. I was simply reflecting on my occasional rational behaviour when England ca- camps were looming and trying to understand my actions a little bit better. Uh, I don't know; it seems all a little bit weird, but um, yeah, just no action uh, against as against Joe Marler. So hopefully, then uh, we can move on. Right, let's actually now move into the rugby. Let's start off with Argentina versus Australia. Argentina seemed to throw it away even worse than we did. Uh, uh, did someone actually watch the game? I know you asked in the group, Matt, if we're going to watch the game, and I replied no. Uh, uh, I, I, I no, caught the highlights because it's, it's like two in the morning that. here, so like it's not feasible. Yeah, I was, Adam, you replied, fuck that. Yeah, no. I, I was in a... Um, <laughs> don't, don't downplay your... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, yeah. I, I've watched the highlights. Uh, think, it seems like... Also, yeah, I think we've all... I, I haven't watched the highlights. I haven't watched anything. I literally got up, got coffee, and started this phone call. So, <laughs> from what you guys said, it sounds like Argentina had the early ascendancy, actually. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They, they were, I think it was th- 31-7 at half time or something. Yeah, 31-7. Okay. But, like, were they soft tries? Because, like, I know Argentina oh, often score, like, a lot of runaway. They carved nice, like that. From what I can see, the outside backs in Matera could basically break the line whenever they needed to, and then they yeah. got to the top. 
Okay. They were just like, they were just like, okay, guys, it's time to score a try, and then they stepped two players, and then we're down by the try line. There, there, no. there were a few that were against the run of like, like, I don't know, like it's hard to interpret too much from the highlights. Yeah. But there, it seems it seems there were a few that were sort of against the run of play, you know, quite opportunistic. Like there was one where it looked like Australia were basically about to score, then somehow Argentina came away with the ball and ran sort of 70 meters to score. So. Like, you know, yeah. you sort of, if you add that back and you say, okay, well, let's take away seven from Argentina, add seven to Australia on that, suddenly it does look like a bit, not as much of a blowout in the first half. Yeah. But, I mean, it, this, is, this is kind of the problem with Australia. Like, they, whenever we, we talk about, like, who would you pick for an Australian team or who's doing well for Australia, it's always from an attacking lens, right? You always think who's, like, you know, Israel Folau, Hooper, Pocock, these are all very good, like, attacking players or guys that, are very good, you know, at getting the ball and, and doing something positive with the ball. But they completely, there's a complete absence of, I want to say, like negative players, like players who shut down. Okay, I suppose that's not true because Pocock's like the ultimate negative player. But generally speaking, on like on defense, like they just don't have anyone, anyone who you think is like a, a defensive player. Like they, they've picked like a whole, a whole team of, of attacking players. And it's kind of inevitable that you're going to end up with score lines like this because when a team does make a break against them, like Argentina apparently did, who do you back, like, coming on a cross-cover defense? Like, they don't have someone like a Ben Smith or even, like, Vili LaRue is actually quite good at that kind of thing, if you ask me. Um, and I'll lose four is, like, Peter Steph, Peter Steph Tutorial and those kinds of guys, you know? So, I don't know. Like, it's just, I feel like they've got a very unbalanced team. What do you guys think? Uh, Their back line, I think, is definitely unbalanced. They don't have sort of guys who stop men. They don't have, you know, your classic. They don't have like a beefy inside center or like a a rangy outside center who covers a lot of ground and makes a lot of tackles. But I I think their forward pack, like Ella Alatoa makes a lot of tackles. Um, Both Fainga and Panga Mosa do, they get around the park well and they defend quite well. Um, yeah. Their, lock, their locks, I, I know I've hit this, hit this nail before, but Australian locks are just fucking bang average. And like, yeah. like a, and a, a player like a player like Hannigan, he, I would say he's more defensive than attacking. So yeah, I, I well, think the the team, I, I, think, like, I, I think it's mainly the backline. And if you look at yeah. the tries, it's Argentina just running straight through their backline. That's got that's the biggest takeaway I've noticed. Is guys are saying that. Besides balls not going to hands for Australia on attack in the first half, they were also just slipping their first man-on-man tackles, and that's where Argentina got a lot of advantage over them. Yeah, I don't know. Like it just feels like there are a lot of guys who you who you pick, saying like, okay, you know, we we've got a very unbalanced player just in isolation, and like let's say Beal. Beal's great on attack, not so great on defense, but it's okay. We'll hide him on defense. But you've done that three or four different times with different players, and suddenly. You know, everyone's kind of hiding. Hiding off your back line. Off yeah. your back line. And then, and then when you, and as, as Ben's pointed out, you've got your three main defensive, I would say your, your three main defensive players on the pitch in terms of just being the cornerstone of your defense probably should be your two locks and your blindside flank. Just as the cornerstone. Your props are going to make a lot of tackles, but they're not as mobile. Your back line's going to tackle. Yeah, like, they, have to the tackle props when they're are going to make tackles on the fringes, really, because, you know, that's where they inevitably going to be. Yeah, they, like you can't expect them to get to somewhere they aren't already. Whereas your locks and your, especially your blindside flank, I think, 
blindside flag, one of his main jobs is to be strong enough to make the tackles and mobile enough to get there, right? Yeah. And Hannigan, yeah. for me, like, Hannigan may be a more defensive than attacking player, but that's just because he's got fuck all data on attack. It doesn't mean he's actually a good defensive player. He's just, yeah, that's no, just no, how no, bad no. he is on attack. But, so, but a, blind, a blindside flank can have a good game without touching the ball. Oh, yes, I mean, mm. ideally, like, I mean, John Smith is like the ultimate example of that. I mean, he was actually pretty good with ball in hand, but that's all what we wanted him for. We wanted him to just... You know, you never notice him, and then suddenly at the end of the game, you notice he's got 20 tackles under his belt. Um, and I think Peter Steftitoy is doing really, really well in that. Um, and, okay, we'll talk about it just now, but I think that's where the All Blacks are probably weakest at the moment as well. But with Australia, I just feel like they don't have those cornerstones of their defense, and then half their team is kind of being hidden to make up for what they offer on attack. So it's, it's quite a gamble. Yeah, that's why I think the Aussies, uh, they... Very, very much key. Look, the Peter Steff, the toy project. I think I oh know he's been a, he's been fantastic this season. He's gotten better and better. This has been three, four years uh, in the making. Going back to ironically Japan 2015, which we're also going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. But they, they they've always shifting a guy like um, no, Isaac Rada actually had looked to have quite a good game. But uh, Tui before that very unfortunate incident on the Gold Coast, moving their yeah. bigger men into that six and a half, five and a half role. Uh, that uh, the Peter Steff's now very much. Um, Sorry, I always get confused. I know we do it the opposite way around. We, he wears a seven in South Africa, correct? Yes. Yeah, but he's a yes. six. He's a six essentially everywhere else. So we'll just call him a six, uh, six or a seven. Uh, the Aussies, I think, are trying. Outside. Yeah, outside. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the Aussies are trying to do the same thing, but I think they're a little bit behind uh, in their development. So I, I, I think you're quite right. They talk about Marika Corribetti being the cornerstone, the defensive master. Who? Uh, oh is, God! Oh God! Jesus! Yeah, he's not that great. But uh, I think you actually make a very good point. How can you have a defensive master outside on the wing? I don't know. <laughs> At the uh, very least, a defense, the defensive coordinator should be either fly half or like outside center. But fuck, having your defensive coordinator on the wing just sounds like you're asking for shit. Oh, did you oh, see? It's sort of, it, yeah. well, traditionally, it's your 13 that runs your your defensive line. Yeah, yes, um, He's supposed to be captaining the defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you see? Uh, speaking of Australia, it's, it's a New Zealand Herald story. If you go into www.nzherald.co.za/nz/rugby, uh, their first story is about Michael Chaker, um, where he's in the dressing room. Did you know? Often uh, on the uh, Fox Sports uh, broadcast, they have a little shot of the dressing rooms. So they have a little shot of Michael yeah. Chaker in the Pumas dressing room in Argentina, and he, Jesus, he he looks. Christ, he looks scary. He is like shouting at people. He walks up to Bertofoli, touches him, walks away. He looks like angry. Touches him. Jesus, yeah. Touches him. You know, well, like, you know what? What, 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 what like, if like, you did at work? Like, uh, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was envisaging him just sort of gently dragging the the back of his fingers down Bertofoli's cheek. No, he just like, like he, he just taps him in the middle of his chest, like and then like slightly tugs his jersey to say. This guy, take ownership, and he's like shouting at everyone, pointing. Like he is. He is I can't remember what his name is, but this guy. This see, guy. Yeah. I haven't seen him in three weeks. Who yeah. is he again? He, he is like. Who yeah. let this guy back into the team? Like he's seriously raging, and the players look visibly uncomfortable about how angry he is. So I think they're oh, playing. Well, yeah. You know what? After their first half defensive mm-hmm. performance. It's pretty toxic, that kind of an approach to coaching. Well, maybe, but, and, I mean, Chick has been there. As an exception, maybe it's effective, but we'll see. I don't, apparently, so sorry to cut you off, Ben, we'll get back to you now. Nick McArdle, McArdle, excuse me, 
uh, the Fox Sports commentator, he just said, I've never seen him like that. He was wild with emotion. Because, I mean, you don't really see how he is with the no. players off the camera. So the fact that the guy's saying, Jesus, this is a bit exceptional, I don't blame him. He needed to win. So it's just, it's just like... I'm sorry, hectic. but... Hmm? He's back, or he's the the sort of story behind Checker is always that he's this raging ball. Yeah, there. That Checker's this raging ball of fury. It's like essentially his halftime speeches are him just sort of apoplectically screaming with spittle flying. I mean, he's famous for that. Yeah. But maybe when it's back against the wall. Uh, Ben, I rudely cut you off. What were you going to say? Um. To be honest, I forgot. No, but I, I was just basically saying how I, I, I think there is, like I know Alex says, no, it's a very negative team environment, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think at some point you do need a revving from your coach. Like if you are, like Australia were fucking nowhere in that first half. They got a revving and you know, they came back and played probably the best half of rugby they've played this year. So, yeah, so you know what? Maybe maybe that's what they needed. Maybe a few they needed to be sort of called out. They needed to be cut down a bit just to let them know what, what's what. Yeah, just out of interest, they kind of matched out. I mean, they outscored Argentina in, in six tries to four. Uh, meters are similar, close to 500. Same as carry, same as defenders beating, same as clean breaks. Uh, more passes, more offloads, uh, less turnovers conceded. Uh, discipline, they conceded more penalties. As well, they even had a yellow card. So, I mean, the stats, um, yeah, Argentina seemed to blow it. I think maybe that comes from maturity. If we just have a quick talk about Argentina and where they are, uh, I mean they've been very impressive on attack. They've had a, it's actually been a very weird rugby championship, like opposite day, you know, like away teams winning. <laughs> the last two fixtures saw the away, t- the last two fixtures have seen the away team win. Uh, they've been fantastic on attack. Uh, they've certainly played a lot better. There's guys like uh, Bofelli and uh, Delgai, uh, Sanchez. He did go off in the 30th minute uh, in this one. Where Argentina? In their development, they're certainly a couple of better than last year. Now that they've changed coaches and Desma is in charge, but I think um, something like this would be a massive setback. Uh, it's something I, want, I will ask about the Springbok team about whether it's a good or bad thing a loss like this. But uh, but for Argentina itself, I can only really see downside here because they were really building Are something it? and they're killing the Wallabies, and then uh, they fell apart. So where are we? If we gave this score, I gave them a score out of ten for their rugby championship, what would we give it on? Mm, 6.5 yeah. 7 they've got a home win against against us they've got an away win against Australia and they've yeah. got they had a pretty good showing against New Zealand didn't they yeah Dude, they had a good yeah. showing against New Zealand in, away. in New Zealand in New Zealand they had a pretty good show against us in South Africa as well. Yeah, if we can yeah. think back that far, like <laughs> they didn't like mm-hmm. they kind of they kind of let their negativity kind of, we kind of got caught up in it. But you know that I think that's what they they executed their game plan. Let's say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'd say they Gary, I would I would almost put their safe money for a quarterfinal next year, and oh, yeah. I'm pretty. Confident yes. that they'll see a semi as well. I reckon they'll they'll be in the semis. But yeah, are they almost guaranteed? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I need to I need to check out the, the pools again. There's like a website oh, where you God. can. I, I need to see the permutations before I'll, I'll commit yeah. to that. Because I, mean, I don't I don't think that they're a top four team at the moment. Uh, I, the I reckon it, they can pull off an upset. I reckon it's going to be an upset yeah. if they get in the semis. But I I, don't, I I wouldn't be fucking surprised if they do end up there. I think they're a top six team in the world. 
Yeah, yeah I think that's, I, that's fair. Yeah. In terms of the yeah. Northern Hemisphere teams that you might say, you know, you, you, you think we're ahead of them, I'd probably say Ireland. Um, maybe England on a good day. Yeah, Italy, they're definitely better than, obviously. Scotland, bit of a coin flip. You never know what's... I mean, Scotland have improved uh, a shitload. France, elsewhere. Okay, actually, now that I'm busy running through these names, it's not so cut and dried. When I think about Australia, if Australia played to their potential, they should be able to beat all the Northern Hemisphere teams bar Ireland, I'd argue. Maybe England? New Zealand? No, no. I, I, I would argue that, say, apart from New Zealand... I would say that the the kind of number two to number what's Argentina in the world now? Ten? Uh, eight or nine. Eight, I think seven eight. Seven, eight. seven, eight, seven, eight, eight, eight. seven somewhere between seven and ten. No, I don't think they do. Basically I would say number number two to number ten on their days could all beat each other. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And which which I, I think makes for, makes for a very exciting World Cup, especially mm. if New Zealand's set to be cut down a peg or two. Argentina. Because yeah, it is. I, I think that numbers one to number four could probably take take each mm-hmm. other on any given day as well. I think um, I, if, I don't know, I don't know what, the rate, what the rankings are, so uh, forgive me, but in my mind, the top 14... Africa's, South Africa's five, unless we drop on Monday, but I don't think we will. I think it'll... <laughs> I think Forgetting yeah, the for the time being, for me, the top four teams in the world, in order, are New Zealand, Ireland. Um, I, I think I, I'm actually tempted to say us. I think we're probably the third best team in the world at the moment. Yeah. And then Australia, and then, and then England. So I don't think England, where they are, the last time we saw them, I don't think England's in a position to be beating New Zealand. But I think no. between us uh, and Ireland, I think on our day, we can take them. Well, uh, just to give you a bit more context about when we're looking at even at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah uh, found it. At the next year. Yeah, Argentina, they're in the same <gasps> group as England and France. Uh, USA and Tonga as well. I mean, that should be okay. But England, I mean, uh, Argentina, let's say they have two bad days. Uh, France are also on the up. Uh, France, I think, played a bit better than, than the scoreline suggested in the tour of New Zealand. They could realistically, if they have bad days, not make it out that group. And even if they do... France and Argentina are 8 and 9 at the moment. I've got last week's rankings up. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Who's who, who, who stayed there? It, Italy? <laughs> Fiji. Yeah. Okay. Fiji. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say Fiji could beat Ireland yeah. no matter how well Fiji... And and the winner, oh. the Pool C and uh, Pool D, uh, they end up facing uh, the winner and second of Pool D, which is Australia, Wales, Fiji and Uruguay, so it should be Australia and Wales. Georgia are there. You never know what Georgia could do, but essentially uh, Georgia's going to smash. It's essentially Australia. <laughs> look, I could see Australia losing to Wales. Actually, no, Australia never lose to Wales. So Australia will win that, and then it, it's Wales just, is ranked third in the world, Adam. Just so you know. Yeah, but Australia. Wales, do you know Wales, what? Wales, Wales, ever. Wales, Wales can suck a dick. Yeah. In my opinion, they do not deserve to be ranked third. I love, I love this. I like. I, I want to bring up Wales every week. Just this is where I just down for, for the, uh, I, the description. Wales the can suck. Okay, This is exactly why I said forget forget the official rankings because I don't think that they mean shit. No, I I just uh, look. Wales never beat Australia. Like they, they they played there. They should have beat them three times. They managed to lose all three. Uh, but look, going back to the original point, it's a bit more complicated. And look, our pool. We could probably say we end up second, and we're probably going to face Ireland. We could totally beat Ireland. Okay. 
Okay, can I can I just say something for this World Cup? I think it's going to favour the Southern Hemisphere sides because they play Super Rugby, so they're a lot more used to touring. Because the last few, yeah, well, the 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 last few World Cups have been in quite central locations, so they've basically been able to stay at home. But now this one is actually, it's going to force them to tour. And they not they used to their home conditions too much because Super Rugby it moves you around it gives you international experience. Their domestic leagues even um, whatever it's called European Cup Heineken Cup Zurich I oh don't know they always change his name but even that one you don't really you know you just you just fly up on the Friday or whatever. So I, I think yeah. this World Cup is going to favour teams that have super, players that have Super Rugby experience. Well, they so do that. What we asked them to do they provide. That makes a lot of sense. So Bradshaw's um, going to be playing starting starting for England. Wait, rugby, I just want to make world rankings. Uh, I just wanted to have a look here again. Template? No, no. What are you looking are. for? No, I just wanted to have a look. There's a, really good, there's a really good website where you can like predict the, uh-huh. the rugby World Cup uh, pools and then quarters and then just be like, Yo, who do I think is going to win each game? And then that gives you a projection for the whole tournament. Basically. Yeah, I just, okay. just final, a final point for maybe just make a final comment uh, about the game and just talk a little bit about where Australia's development is. Uh, the, the point you guys are making, I know New Zealand are ranked one. How the fuck are Wales three? In England, oh, these rankings are a little bit, I don't understand. But uh, I think your point is... Okay, can, can, can I just Anyone, 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 from no... Wait, 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 no. <laughs> anyone from nine... To, as you said, as I'm agreeing with anyone from nine to three. I don't know about Ireland, but I, I agree with all of you. Uh, they can realistically win, and that maybe even stretches down yeah, but to five, excluding Wales. They Adam, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Yeah? Three has a has a chance of beating anyone from say seven to ten, but yeah, four, five, six, three is going to struggle against. Let's be fair. No, no, Wales. That's an aberration. But I think the general point holds that uh, the pack's a lot tighter. Uh, than the ranking suggests. So Ben, yes, can I just say what did you want to say? Sorry, what was that? Uh, uh, just, just, just to, just to refer to my earlier point, Wales can suck a dick. Oh yeah, no, I, that, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind, I'm kind of over Wales too. Um, all right, all right. Quick... One of the, I, I just want to say one of the things I like about Wales is that they just they just whip out the hymn book during during the game and then everyone just starts singing. I, I dig that, yes. Uh, yeah. that, that, that is a that is a strength that is a strength of the Welsh people. But the rest of it, like, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. And if anyone from Wales wants to challenge me, I don't even think Wales should exist. I think it should just be England. Like, what's the point of Wales? It's not even like a, like, it's not even a functioning place. Oh, oh, oh god. So <laughs> this is brilliant. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, well, sorry, Missy Wacky Notes. Uh, like, before, before we anger an entire nation, maybe we should move on to the Spring Break game. According to Ben, they just, they're nothing but a, a, an aberration. They're not even a nation, they're a yeah, principality at most. Um, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the principality of Wales. Yeah, they're like a made up country, it's like Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a quick quick final thought to Australia and their rugby championship. Overall, I think it's been quite disappointing. We should have beat we should have beaten Australia. Uh, that was probably our wor- our worst game uh, of the tournament. Actually, no, I take that back. Argentina was, but we were also pretty shit against Australia in Brisbane. We should have won that game. Out of ten, um, I'll, I'll guess I'll, I'll probably give Australia six out of ten. Really? Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, I agree with that. Um, I think. I mean, you, you guys already know. Ben made a very just salient point that in their in their loose trio, they're kind of missing that that Peter Steph, the toy 
type character. And I think you can see New Zealand were kind of trying to find a solution for the missing Liam Squire slash Brady Retallick. Both of our games against New Zealand will get on and now miss Brady Retallick. And the sort of work he does in the loose uh, and around the park also contributes. But yeah, overall, I, I kind of feel Australia haven't gone forward, but they haven't gone backward. They're kind of still stuck with the same questions. And the one thing I still don't understand is Ralph Fuller on the wing instead of 15. Where they're playing, not, not the poor man's Ben Smith. How would you describe Hayley Petty in comparison to, to Ben Smith? Uh, like the homeless man's Ben Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's how poor. The, to be fair, the, the indigent man's Ben Smith. Hayley Petty picked up a brace of tries this weekend. Yeah, but hey, he, he's, he's, he's a good player. He's a good rugby player. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's bad. <laughs> no, like, no, but like, like yeah. he's, the, he's not. You know, he's not. He's not SP Moret, but like he's the, the poor man's Ben Smith. Like. No, not true. I think no, it's, no, no. It's, it's, it's fair comment. It's fair and balanced comment. Yeah. Uh, no, not true. Ratings for Australia's rugby championship, uh, Alex. Yeah. Uh, six out I'm with you. Six out of ten. They're not being good. <sighs> and actually, now that now that we've had this conversation, I I, I want to retro. I want to retcon what I said earlier and say that I don't think they're the fourth best team in the world. Actually, I think Wales is. <sighs> How the fuck? Did the fuck Wales Wales? Why, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> You slate them and then you say they're the fourth. Ah, never mind. Anyway, yes, that, that you were saying. <laughs> I was going to say, we must be careful. Uh, that one good half of rugby doesn't make Australia a 6 out of 10 side. They've played way worse than they did in that one good half. And oh. you know what? Part of me is happy that they had that one good half because now Czech is safe and all that. So he's going to carry on playing for, or coaching rather, I should say. And hopefully that means that they're going to go limping into the World Cup for against us. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, yeah. Um, yeah, you rating? Yeah, I, I, I know... Uh, oh, sorry, Matthew, you want to rate it? Oh, shit, I rate it. Oh, fuck. I'll give them a pass. They got 5 out of 10. They passed the rugby championship because they did pick up a couple of wins. Okay, that's fair. No, I, I, would, I would give them less than... Oh, I'll give them less than five, say four point five, because I, I I actually think like I know I know we always say it about Australia, but they're actually the Wallaby side's a good side, like Pocock's world class, Hooper's world class, Falau's world class, Foley's good international level, Beal's world class, like they have good players, they should be better than they are, like they got a shit they got a shit tied five, yeah, cuck locks. They're- this, this is my two today. I hate whales at Australia of cucklocks. Yeah, but <laughs> one of Ben, Ben, only one of those is a controversial point. Which one? Well, yeah, because Isaac, Isaac, Isaac Rod is actually not bad. Adam Coleman had a good Super Rugby season. Hmm. Uh, no, no, but but they they, they had good <laughs> like relative to other Australian. I like that. Yeah, so they, they, they fine, but um, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just joking. Where, where's Where's Will Skelton? In England, oh, no, the time of his life, losing weight, being healthy. Fuck, he looks good in England. Uh, yeah, playing for playing up in England. Because yeah. I, I always thought he he had potential to go far, but he never really. <clears throat> remember yeah. when he he looked so much better. Remember when he went um toward when he went first went on loan, and then came back and he actually played really good Super Rugby. Or ben, I, when I, he, listen, he played he really a, good. Australian lock super rugby, I'll say that rather. Uh, I'll qualify like the reason. He, but he had a he had an attitude problem, I think. Like he he was lazy. 
because he oh. with a, a guy his his size and he had hands and he had he was actually pretty mobile like he he wasn't just a blob on the field he actually really could have done great things but he didn't seem interested after after that uh, after the waratahs championship winning season he just went plummeting downhill uh, a lot of them did from the waratahs mm. and it just didn't seem like he i don't know maybe he felt like he clocked rugby or something and he just didn't need to show up anymore but yeah i don't know that was disappointing but yeah, no, like, I don't know, but you're right, Ben, like, the, the, the Aussie team, like, I, I don't agree that Hooper's world-class, and I think Bernard Frodi's actually been shit this year, but Falau, I think we can all agree Falau would feature in our World 15. I think Pocock is the best open-side flank in the world, and I think that on his day, Genia's actually as good as Aaron Smith, or or even Conor Murray. Watch the Matera try before you sing Genia's praises too much. <laughs> no, no, no. On his, on his day, like, he's become sure. very, like, hit and miss. Yeah. Like, he's not the Genia of, of, you know, Suncorp years past or whatever. But, no, like, I still think that he's he's got the no, mind to challenge those guys. Like, and that's what the one thing you can't replace. If, if, we got Genia. If South Africa was offered Genia, we would take him 13 times out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, like, I agree with you on, in theory. If you're just looking at a straight swap, like player to player, but the problem is that the problem is that we've now built our house on on the rock that is Fat Kirk. So, although if we got offered Fat Duplessis, I'd take him. I think he's probably quite a good. Like center or something. I'd take him over Damien Delander. Um, anyway, but yeah, so like that's the problem that we'd have to completely rethink the way the Springboks play rugby if we took someone like Enya now. Um, oh. And I, I'm actually not convinced it would suit us. Not the but, way we play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, I agree with you. Like he's clearly a superior player. Um, but anyway, um, can we move on, guys? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. Ben, what was your rating for Australia? Four and a half. We'll leave it there. Right, let's move on to uh, the main event. That is uh, New Zealand versus South Africa. I was there uh, at the stadium. Uh, just a quick compliment to uh, the Blue Bulls Rugby Oaks. I've never actually been to Loftus for a test match. I think I've only been there for a Curry Cup game. And it was pretty lacquer. I mean, I took I took a park and ride up from, from Johannesburg. Uh, the stadium was lacquer. The Gears was lacquer. People were chilled. And overall, it was a very nice experience by the very bitter embers of defeat. Uh, at the end of the game, um, and the Chiefs inside the stadium. Bar, bar, spoilers, bar, Adam, shut spoilers. up. By the last ten minutes, by the last ten minutes, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. So pretty overall, it, it was a pretty pretty awesome day. Um, so just a big shout out to the Bulls. Okay. It was, yeah, it, was, look, it looked amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. it was very well organized, and uh, like uh, Oaks felt very mixed leaving. I still don't quite know how I feel about things. Um, I felt myself sitting on the bus. Contemplating life and the Springboks throwing away their lead, and then I, then I was just like going, ah! and then I got quiet again. <laughs> uh, so, so my wife just like the life cycle of the Springbok. My wife just closed the door and she's locked me in my room now because I'm getting getting a bit passionate. Uh, so yeah, guys, where to start? Um, just a quick overall. I think just a quick two-liner from me. Great performance by Springboks. I think it's the best we've played all season, but. As I saw one New Zealand scribe, mm. even though I, I don't like him, Chris Ratatouille, uh, the Springboks lost us more than the All Blacks won, I would say. And look, we're definitely a lot, we're definitely way further than we thought we would be. Um, and the main question is for me is, is this loss a good, or like, will good come from this loss? 
I'm still not quite sure in the answer to that question. That's where I am at the moment. Um, ben, your hot take just on the game? Yeah, um, I, I was. I think similar to you, I was very, very disappointed in the yeah, loss, yeah. but I was, happy, I was happy with the way the game went. Like I thought, we we gave an excellent showing of ourselves, and I think even the All Blacks can agree on that day the the better team lost, like straight oh, up. Yeah. And mm. uh, uh, just two further comments. I like that we executed a, a slight variation of our game plan. Like, it was still built yep. around similar principles, but we, we kept the ball a lot more. We pinned them back. And instead of, say, when we were playing in New Zealand, we did a lot of defending in our own half. We did, this time we did defending in the New Zealand half, which I think was was positive. Um, I think we did fluff a few opportunities, especially in the in the first half. We were so – first 15 minutes, we were so dominant. Ooh, we should have yeah. definitely scored a try, too, I yeah. feel. And but one quite negative thing, I think this is going to devastate players like Papier and Willemse and um, probably not so much Alton because he came on at like 79 or whatever yeah. it was. But but I, I just I just all these calls for Rusty use your bench, Rusty use your bench. Then he uses his bench, and it kind of. Not not to be dick to those guys, but it was actually kind of what fucked us over in the uh, end. Just, quite, co- just a quick comment on that. Sorry, Vili was taken off. Um, he had for a concussion. Concussion, HIA. Uh, Faf was cramping. And look, when Marks walked off the field, he looked pretty spent. And Bongi, yeah, apparently Rassi said Marks was also a injury replacement. Yeah, and so. Bongi, Bongi, I don't think's that much of a step down uh, from him. But I, like, I hear, no, your, no, I hear no, your point. No. I hear, I hear your point, though, Ben. I just uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even saying it was necessarily those players' fault. But yeah, I, I mean, just that's think the thing. Confidence-wise, because we know the SA rugby public isn't intelligent. <laughs> They're already no. blaming. To be fair, I think, I think at 75 minutes, they, they were already. Posts online about how the fucking bench lost that game for us, and there was still five minutes. No, 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 no but let, let, let's just, uh, just, to, just to clarify that statement, though. The SA rugby public that don't listen to our podcast are not intelligent. <laughs> those those uh, yeah. snodos are, oh, they are some of the greatest rugby minds in the world, I think. The rest of them let me have, have been, have ask you a question, Levin. If we had used our bench the same way this week, uh, if, we, if we'd used our, be- our bench last week against Australia, the way we use them this week, so we'd bring them on with the last 10 minutes to go or 15 minutes to go, and we'd given guys like Papier and Willemse game time earlier in the rugby championship as well, would it still have been such a disaster to bring them on now? No, no, no. Rassi, Rassi built his own... I mean, like, I, to be honest, I, I can defend I can defend Rassi bringing them on. Yeah. Like, That's what like, I'm saying. I think that it's not a it's not a mistake to say because you can never like yes okay when you bring on substitutions you're going to alter the rhythm of the game right but that's inevitable that's every single substitution in every single rugby game ever so you have to build that into your formula but the reason it was so it had such a, a negative impact in this game I think was because those guys had seen almost none almost no game time this whole competition until those last vital ten minutes. So yeah. it was bad. It wasn't it wasn't bad game management in this game. It was bad tournament management from Russia. Yeah, yeah, like, like 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 he he built his house on like a shaky foundation basically. Yeah. Because if this so is what he does in the World Cup next year, if we if we get to a quarterfinal 
and we don't bring on our, our bench, our backline bench players. We get to a semi-final, we don't bring on our backline bench players. We get to a World Cup final against New Zealand, and suddenly Puff's cramping, but he's got a head knock, and you've got to bring on Damien Valimsa and Ambrose Papier, and this is the first knockout rug- rugby game they've played in their entire careers, then I wouldn't be surprised if, if we end up losing the game on the back of them not necessarily being in, like, in the zone. That's inevitable, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's that's fair comment. Yeah. Uh, Alex, just well, I know yeah. you, you've kind of maybe uh, summed that up, but just is that is that your takeaway uh, at the moment that uh, this this was maybe always inevitable? The fact that Rusty hasn't gone to his bench before, he did now, and people were asking for it, and we came up short. Maybe not because they weren't experienced, or well, blah blah blah. Is that kind of where your where your head is at the moment? Um, yeah, pretty much. Like I think I think the longer he waited to do it, the more risk it was going to be when mm. he, when he eventually did do it. Yeah. So like yeah. he was kind of delaying. He was he was kind of stacking his odds, um, and then it all came undone all at once because of of the way he played it. And I think if he could have, he would have played for f- the full eighty minutes. Probably. And I think we yeah. and, and and we probably would have won. Yeah, um, and that I think that I think was his plan, and fine, but he didn't have a plan B essentially, and that's what it comes to, what it came down to is that he put all his eggs in one basket, and he knew what he was doing, and it was a calculated risk. Yeah, and I don't think he's stupid. I think it just didn't pay off, and so be it. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to like crucify him because I recognize what he was trying to do, and I actually don't think it's necessarily the worst plan in the world. Because, like I said, the goal here is to, is to beat New Zealand in this game. He almost pulled it off. So yeah. what he wanted to do was almost almost perfect, and it just didn't work out for him on the day. And that's life, you know, or that's sport. Um, so it's, it's hard, and, yeah. you know. Uh, Matt, just uh, he, yeah, your thought, and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna pose pose a question to all of you. Uh, Matt, just uh, your just your, your general headliner uh, for this one. Uh, um, for the whole game, in, yeah. Well, just how you feeling? Little, I'm just a little. I'm a little optimistic because I'm kind of glad we lost because if we'd beaten Australia twice on the trot, imagine the sort of New Zealand. egos. <laughs> oh, I mean, New Zealand. Fuck. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to all our New Zealand fans. We, we didn't mean to compare you to Australia. I know, I know you're taking I am so sorry. I know I'm not welcome in New Zealand for Get the a next, bit of flag. next five years, but yeah. Um, Australia, the, the, the poor man's New Zealand. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Um, the Mordor, the Mordor to New Zealand Shire. Yeah. Um, what I'd say, I'm, I'm optimistic because in my mind, it sort of tempers our egos, especially the players. Mm. It sort of tempers their egos because they know they could have beat them and yeah. they should have beat them yeah. and they didn't. So they've, they've got that sort of nagging. We could have done better. And I think yeah. that will play long term. That will play better than beating them because we might be. If we because we are going up against them, we guarantee to go up against them in the World Cup because they are in our pool. So we would have gone in too cocky, I think, if we'd beaten them twice on the trot before the World Cup. They often they often they often often say this about like um, boxing and like 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 uh, boxing and MMA and stuff. MMA. They say actually it's harder to prepare for a fight for like a rematch if you the person that won the previous match. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Because if you lost, you can identify clear weaknesses. You can be like, "This is why we lost." But then, if, yeah. if you won, yes. you can be like, "While well, we won, should we change anything, or should we kind of yeah, stick exactly. to the winning formula?" Because yeah. now we know. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so, so yeah, that, I, I that makes a lot of. I don't think. 
I, I think in the scheme of South Africa's development, this loss isn't a particularly negative thing. Yeah, that, that, answers, that. that answers the question uh, I was actually going to pose to you. Is this a good or bad thing? Uh, I'm still, Guys, I'm, I still don't quite I'm know, an, but I'm leaning towards I'm an, not the worst. It's not a great answer. I'm an Adam yeah, yeah, I'm going to say I, would, I think it would have been better if we'd won. Because, you know, yeah, I like winning. Yeah, for the mood, it would yeah, be for, better. For, for banter. For, for, our, for our last time, last time Australia, last time South Africa beat New Zealand, we we got like double our previous highest number of podcast yeah, listens. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so obviously, for that, for that alone, you know, for for our own vanity, like I would have preferred South Africa to win. But yeah, I think yeah. there's a pretty big silver lining. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, like the feel, like all of the, all I could tell you is at the stadium, like the last ten minutes. You could just sense the momentum shifting. And uh, Malcolm Marks, I mean, he was quoted uh, after the game. He just said that, uh, let's see here. I thought we should have won that game, to be honest. To be mad at the match is one thing, but it's a team game. It's hard having a 12-point lead with four minutes to go. And unfortunately, we couldn't get the double. But I suppose it's part of the game. All Blacks are not the number one in the world for nothing. Uh, I mean, he, he ended up being mad at the match. And he just said that um, Marks saw defeat as a mix of self-inflicted wounds. All black, blah, blah, blah. Richie Moringa stepped that. He said, that gave him the benefit of the doubt. They kick into the corner. I mean, yeah, actually, you remember that, guys? Where Moanga, uh, we'll, we'll talk about him very shortly. Just that, that, that was, that was, that, so, was because that was from like 70 meters on. Yeah, that was ballsy. And like, that, yeah. was at, that was to my corner of the ground. We're all like watching this ball, like, please take over the line. But, that was uh, fucking cheeky. Yeah, that was I, saw, I, saw parents, I saw parents covering their children's eyes for that kick. Yeah, he says the ball could smart. have bounced in field or out. They just they just got the benefit of the doubt. So I mean, no, that's not true. It's tough, like I said, it's a tough pull to swallow. The guys worked hard. If you look at the guys' faces and how hard the guys were, we really worked hard for each other. Jeez, hard, 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 hard. It was just unfortunate that we couldn't. I mean, Loftus is full. It was amazing. We couldn't do anything about the loss. Now we knew they were going to come out more physical, more patient. Blah blah blah. Uh, but just 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 before we continue, just some quotes from Rassi, just so you have a bit further context. Uh, Rassi said, and I quote, this is from Supersport, I really think it was one of the best tactical performances in a while. I'd agree with him there. We were outstanding for most of the game. Uh, listen, the way, listen, the way the All Blacks came back, we were speaking about this on the flight back from Wellington, the way they came back after losing to Ireland, and then the next week they smashed Ireland in Dublin. We spoke about all the times they got back into the game and how we have to match them physically. I really thought we handled them tactically and physically for 72 minutes. I could talk about all the things we did wrong in the last 10, but they did a hell of a lot of things right for the last 10 uh, we didn't feel very comfortable. They've shown many times, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is, when, this is when he's talking about the substitutions. Look, Vili got concussion, so he went off for an HIA test and passed a concussion. I thought Damien really played well, but I thought he was quite good. And did some great things when he came on. At 9, Faf was cramping, and it was the same time as Vili, so it was two swaps at the same time, which obviously is decision-making positions. They'll learn today, so that's, that's the view he's taking from it. What they did against the world's best yeah. team. Vincent was subbed quite early uh, because France was quite honest and said he was tired. Uh, the game's pace was the way <laughs> we tried to catch up. New Zealand, uh, sorry, I'll just finish up here, Alex. Apologies. New Zealand are just one of those teams that really take it up. Uh, I thought their bench played better than they then. Uh, excuse me, let me start that again. I thought their bench played better when they came on, not because of effort, but because more of experience. I think that goes to your point, Alex. Um, yeah. I'd rather say this. Let this happen now than in Yokohama when we take on New Zealand in a knockout game. And he says he didn't... Yes. Uh, I'm just saying, I said the key moments of books. And, and, and Aras has pretty much said he blamed them when we didn't put the All Blacks away. Like uh, Bowden Barrett throwing their forward pass, uh, the botched kickoff. Uh, like you could blame Papier a bit because he should have just maybe passed to uh, Pollard. And 
one, one final point before we, I guess we'll start talking about other things. I kind of felt for the last 10, 15 minutes, we, we kind of lost our way. We weren't kicking to the corners. We weren't playing territory. The box, for the first hour, they always knew territory. Boom. Balls into the corner. Keep New Zealand back. And Rico Oani, apart from that one try, was kept very quiet as well because we're always playing the, playing the game um, in their half uh, mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah. I mean, they, they, there were a lot of their guys who, you know, all the headlines were about Sunny Bull and Rico and Nahoro and, and, you know, how good Cody Taylor is, etc. And I felt like most of their guys who we expected to, to be really dominant were totally um, absent for most of the game. I didn't see Sunny Bull Williams at all. No, I don't think. He was actually really poor. Um, other than Rico's try, I didn't see him do very much. Yeah, that's why. Why Saki Nohoro came off really early um, for uh, who came on for him again? Um, um, didn't Mawanga come on for him? Yeah, Mawanga. Yes, came on for yes, him. yes, 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 uh, yes. And then and then Barrett moved to fullback, and Ben Smith yeah. went to wing. I think. And yeah. yeah, Ben Smith again. Like every time, Ben Smith actually had one of the worst games I've seen from him. In a long time, he was he didn't really do anything. He was magnificent to see in the flesh, though. He, he shone. Yeah, he is he is a gorgeous man. Um, but but, but is, is, it the, is it the whole point of Ben Smith that he isn't magnificent to see in the flesh? That he's just he's uh, just banned from accounts. Never been to, to, no, to, to, to a layman, yes, but, but like if but if you're force sensitive, he's got a certain je ne sais quoi mm. about him. There's this glow that you can just see. Um, it's it's really quite something to behold, um, but yeah, to to the, to the average person, I can understand why they they might think he's just your average accountant, uh, but he isn't. He's something much more than that. But um, I, I, what I wanted to say was, um, in terms of our decision making, I think you said Rassi mentioned something about our tactics being good. At the time, I there was one decision that I di- that I disagreed with, which was very early on, and I'm wondering if you guys also feel like it might have been a wrong call in hindsight. It was for the second penalty kick where we were right in front of the poles. We were on the five meter and we just, we had a rolling more, I think that didn't quite work out. And then we milked yeah. a penalty like right in front of the poles. Mm. And I said to Phil, we should take a scrum. Yeah. Because we're right here. We like, I get it. We're in the red zone. You should take, you take the points, but we're not just in the red zone. We're on the five meter in the middle of the field. This is like the perfect time. If you could pick anywhere on the pitch to have an attacking scrum, it would be there. Yeah. And we can walk away from this with seven with seven points. And it also sends a statement, especially if you don't hesitate. As soon as the ref calls a penalty, if, if Kuliti says scrum, we're scrumming. That sends a, a real message to the All Blacks. But instead, we played it safe. We said we're going to kick for poles. Pollard slotted it. We went up 6-0, which is obviously also a mental advantage. But I think that we would have scored a try there, and we could have gone up um, 10-0. And that might have been enough to actually win us the game. So yeah, I think that was actually had, that was a bad call. If we four points, you could have won the game. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't know, you don't know how it plays out after that. But like, I just yeah, I don't know. I think we should have taken a scrum there. I don't know. But but I, I also think though, with uh, Francois Lowe at eight, your scrum is yeah. less of an attacking weapon, especially especially that because if Dwayne from Mullins at eight. Fine, that's uh, yeah. I'd say it's it's almost fifty fifty. Dwayne scores a try there, but Francois yeah. Lowe, yeah. like like you, there are going to be a, a few more variables after after the scrum. Granted, there, there was there's still a, still a great try scoring opportunity, 
but yeah, it's not as true. much of a sure thing. Do you do you think yeah, that's the scrum where Kalisi then turns to Flo and says, "You take six. I'm going to go eighth man for this one." Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think he would do that. I don't think he's that kind of player. But I don't know. Like I actually think we would have had a, just as good a chance of um, milking a penalty try there because they were already on a last warning for collapsing the mall. Yeah. Um, and then and then they committed a second infringement under the poles. So I think if we'd had a dominant scrum there, we might have been able to get away with a penalty try. Yeah. Um, they were a yellow card. Then suddenly I think, everything. Yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, let, uh, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate too much, but. I just think it, there was an opportunity cost that we passed up on that might have been enough to turn the tide. Um, yeah, I think the they were the on a, they definitely were on a team warning by then as well because it was yeah I remember the ref said it was their fifth try in a row and all that. Yeah, uh, their fifth yeah. try, their fifth penalty. penalty. Various yeah. things. Well, they weren't all the same penalties, but they were. Yeah. Five but, on the try. But, but yeah. this, this is what this is what I'm saying. Well, not what I'm saying. This is what I'm about to say. That <laughs> New Zealand seem to. Pick their, their periods of dominance better. Yes. I, know, I know it sounds a bit, it sounds a bit weird, but you know, being dominant in the first twenty minutes is fine. Like it's good. It's it's a great way to start your game, but it doesn't really translate on the scoreboard as opposed to if you dominant say in the last twenty minutes when you know the defense is waning, the game's a bit more open. Then suddenly yeah. you can score three four tries in the, those twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But like, oh, I, I mean, you know. You don't really yeah, choose when you. Up, up, the opposite of what we did against England, because they were they kind of blitzed us in the first 20 uh, minutes on, in the two first games, and then we just finished slow and steady and won the games. And we just we did a bit of an England against New Zealand yesterday, where we just couldn't close yeah, out yeah. the game. Um, yeah, but, but but the thing is, England came out the blocks, but they came out the blocks scoring tries. We just came out the blocks, sort of dominating them without much kind of scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, score, hmm. yeah. Well, let, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think Ben, you picked up on it earlier where you said we, we managed to, we almost managed to be New Zealand, but using different tactics to the ones we used against them in Wellington two or three weeks ago. Because we had 70, at halftime, we had 67% possession, I think, and 74% territory. And we were looking really good. Like, we nailed them back, back in their own half. We were taking our points, just keeping the scoreboard ticking over. As I said, it's not necessarily what I would have done, but, you know, the fact that we were playing rugby the way we played rugby, I was watching the twenty the two thousand eight game where Ricky January scored his his amazing try, and that's exactly what what, what it was. We weren't scoring a lot of tries in that game. We were just putting constant pressure and kicking and kicking points whenever we could between Pace Montgomery and Butch James, and like that's the way we were playing yesterday. It was actually like a real throwback to the two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine Springboks, where they would just kind of bully a team. And then pressure them into making mistakes and then punish them for it. And then just eat them out at the end of the game for 80 minutes. And that's almost what we did. I know. And got a pass. I know, I know, uh, this is once again a hindsight sort of thing. Like, I know Pollard kicked some good long range kicks from sort of 50, 55 meters. But do you think if we had someone like Franz Stein or Kornbrink or who else is a good distance kicker? Hoerson even. It's like. Marais. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, Tom, you 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 hiding me the wrong way today. <laughs> I feel like I feel like yeah, Alex is doing what I'm doing, what I do to Adam normally. Is Alex is just doing? <laughs> because I woke up with no electricity and Ben had pancakes in bed. Look, so say, if, if we have, if we have a proper distance kicker, it suits that game plan better as well. Because uh, if you like, no, 
we're going to pin you back and we're going to punish you for everything. But then if you have France Stain, suddenly, literally, there's 60% of the field where you can't make a mistake in because, you know, we are going to, we're going to put you, you know, we're going to put three points on you. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, and I think we do, we do actually need a second picking option yeah. in the team anyway. Um, just to, just to yeah. broaden the conversation just a bit further, just to run through a couple of how a couple of our guys did, um, and then and then maybe we must just shift to uh, New Zealand relatively soonish because we also have our uh, end of end of pod feature. Uh, Billy, I thought was good. Colby, cool. So I just got the team list in front of me. Jesse Creel, all right. Um, let me say this first. Jesse, dear Jesse Creel, uh, I've given you endless amounts of shit. Uh, you had an outstanding game, uh, and I apologize. So that that that's what I'm going to say. Uh, Damien Islander, I kind of felt bad for him. His shoulder must be absolutely wrecked. Not a crash ball. Uh, POA was good, defensively but poor. Pollard impressed me. Uh, I think he's actually getting better and better. I think we're kind of finally, finally beginning to realize the sort of potential that we have seen in him. He was a general there, and he had, he had a very good game. Uh, as amongst the forward, I thought... So we, always, so we, always, we always knew that Pollard was like a strictly BMT player. Yeah, well, look, I, like I just, he's... He's got a bit of a flat track bully. Yeah, it's just he's, he's finally kind of I think he's finally matured, uh, for better or for worse. Um, it just I know the forwards everybody put in a very very good shift. Um, Francois, I didn't think it was that bad, actually. Uh, I still he's most certainly not the answer at number eight. Um, and he put in six tackles, one a turnover. He had a very good game. I do like maybe I, I know I wasn't feeling very excited about it along around in the squad. Um, he wasn't bad. He really wasn't bad. Um. And just my final comment is, I was, I was reading through the New Zealand forums before, uh, after we lost, just to try and get a bit of perspective. And the one comment that really struck home with me was, oh, Willemse, by the way, he, he was the, a lack of substitute. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, that step was great. Oh, the crowd went, ooh. Shit out of Cody. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the crowd went, ooh. first little break of his. Oh, it was great. Um, yeah. Fun Cody's still looking for him. Yeah, um, wondering the uh, wandering Loftus Field, calling out Damien, Damien. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, that just could be a symptom of Crotty's constant concussions. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was seeing double at the time, so yeah. it's not really his fault. I, I think he was step five. Awful force for Crotty, though. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's my final comments. Um, final comments yeah. on the Bok game before you guys do yours. Before we just do a quick turn to New Zealand. Is the comment that I saw said New Zealand New Zealand won with 23 guys, South Africa won with 18. I know it kind of goes back to the sort of points he made and maybe the sort of experience and interview tour where a lot of certain players won't be available. Khalang will be back. Papier will hopefully get more game time. Will help rectify that experience deficit. I think that's kind of what happened towards then. Also stupid errors. Um, so now that we've spoken a lot about it, I was very much on the fence about where I felt about this. Overall, the, the silver lining is better than the loss. And I do think they'll make the players hungry. There is that point of whether it scars other players, but they were they were in and around the team. I know I know Ross Crenier was on the on the sideline there. He never got off the bench at Wellington. So overall, uh, relatively positive. Just just comment on, on individual players uh, very quickly before we just t- do a quick turn to New Zealand. Oh, and just by the way, final rates here on staff. Because we're um, as well. Yeah. I'd say, just sorry, quick thing. I'd say uh, seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. I'd say seven out of ten. Actually, even seven point five. A lot. It went. It's we've improved a lot. Sorry about that. Die tribe. Okay. Um. I would say, yeah. I don't. I don't think I'm going to comment on individual players because I think you've done that quite nicely. But just kind of where I'm at after this. Um. Looking back to where we were, halfway through this competition. 
where we were one out of three. We'd beaten, the only team we'd beaten was uh, Argentina at home. And then we lost Argentina away, and then we lost Australia away. I feel like we were in a really dark place. And there were so many questions being asked. And at that point, I was like not really looking forward to the rest of the competition, not really looking forward to the end of year tour. And in the back of my mind was like half preparing for just another disappointing Rugby World Cup. In like such a long line of disappointing rugby world cups. Now, with you know, with a win against Australia, with a win against New Zealand, and a very narrow defeat against New Zealand, suddenly, I'm super excited for the end of year tour. Like, I can't wait to see Gallant and Papier and Willemse playing. Yeah. And I'm super excited for next year. Like, suddenly, I'm just looking forward to shit again. You know, and we worked, we came out of the rugby championship with three wins out of six. We lost one to each of the, each of the three teams, and you know there's there's so many lessons that have been learned in the last half of the competition that yeah I don't know like I said I just I'm feeling really optimistic and even if you know I'm not saying like I suddenly think we're going to win the World Cup or anything like that but it's not about that like it's just about being proud and about being you know, like giving the best that you can and putting up a good showing and not embarrassing ourselves the way we did in Brighton, for example. And we'll talk about that just now. But, you know, just being a good rugby nation again, just one that people can look forward to playing against and that can draw crowds the way we drew crowd drew a crowd to Loftus this week and to Port Elizabeth last week. That's like just the state of South African rugby is actually bloody good right now. Um, so I'm really, I'm really chuffed with that. Um, that said, I don't want to get high on the recent results, and we mustn't forget, we can't forget what happened in Mendoza and in, um, where was it, in, where did we lose to Australia? Brisbane, yeah, I think it was Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm going to be a bit more tempered with my rating. I'm going to give us 6.5 out of 10 for the whole championship. Okay. Uh, ben? Um, yeah, yeah, like I, I agree with Alex's sentiments. It's it's made me it's made me a lot more positive about Springbok rugby. Let's say that. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a bit and say I'll I'll rate Springboks against each team. Against Argentina, we are about a I'd say about a five. Agreed. Yep. Maybe yeah. you yeah. maybe about a four <laughs> against Australia. We were maybe a maybe a five and a half. Yeah, we should have beaten them. There. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then against New Zealand, I would say we were like an eight and a half, a nine. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you, I make, you, you make a very good point that you draw an average from there in a certain sense. But is New Zealand's are New Zealand's points weighted more compared to the other ones? No, no. But <laughs> well, no, because that's like, not, that's not how it works in real in real life. Like, this is my point, though. We we have to be able to play as well as we do against New Zealand against every team no. obviously yeah. obviously you have days and bad days or whatever but you can't you know how we joke about how Pollard only is only a big match player and we should keep him in some sort of fridge and just release him for World Cup finals and games against New Zealand yeah. but like, like, like we, we can't we can't have a team like that like we have to be able to consistently put in winning performances saying that the match last week against Australia I think it was quite good because we played badly, but we executed the game plan and we won. Mm. 
which I think is something yeah. which is something you need to do, especially to to be successful in the long term. I think even New Zealand showed us that because they didn't play well last, let's say. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think a lot's gonna be a lot's gonna be determined on this end of year tour. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we go, how many games in the end of year tour? Four or five? Four, four. Uh, four, I think, yeah. Four. So I, I would say. Yeah. It's England, Scotland. Uh, no, we, we don't play Ireland. I think that's the fuck up. We don't yeah. play Ireland. Which is a fuck up. Or we don't play England. It's England. We don't play Ireland. It's, it's we play England, England again. We don't play Ireland. We're, we're, England. Playing, we're, playing, we're playing England again the fourth time this year. England, France, oh. Scotland, Wales. That's it. Oh, so we're not playing Ireland. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna say con- considering that, if we we should go four for four on that tour. Yeah, yeah we yes. have to. Yes, that's I'll be stoked with four from four. I'll be fine with three from four. In any anything else is frankly not good enough. And like like there there's got to be a like I feel we would have lost the the momentum we built in the in the. In the rugby championship, if we if we don't do better than that, eh? I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I, how would you how would you feel if we went three from four, but the fourth team was Wales? <laughs> well, we keep losing to Wales recently. We've lost like to them twice in a row. No, no, no. But, 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 what I'm saying is maybe we'll get one, you know, yeah, in yeah. Scotland, and you know, just and it'll be pissing with rain, and you know, it just it just won't play into our hands, basically. Uh, true. But, true. Yeah, but but generally, what what I'm saying is, I'm I'm happy with the direction we're moving in, but we need to carry on moving in that direction. Yeah, no, I agree. Matt, uh, uh, yeah. just uh, yeah, your, your overall assessment uh, of the box and just where they are. And then we must just discuss New Zealand very quickly. Okay, um, I need to fifteen. So yeah. Yeah, without rehashing too many points, I'm just gonna say that, yeah, I I'm fairly happy and optimistic where the box are, but I don't. I, Want to temper expectations. I like Alex's sort of six and a half, just shy of seven out of ten. I just want to say there's a special moment that deserves like nine out of ten for me. And I think it was Koch's first scrum this weekend where we just put the put the New Zealanders yeah. on their hearts. Admittedly, they did get the ball back, but fuck, we pushed them back so badly. It looked it was yeah. it was. It, it, that was an 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 sorry 9 out of 10 moment mm. if we had got the ball it would have been 10 out of 10 but yeah mm. um, can, 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 I, can I suggest uh, can I suggest we have a segment accompanied by its own special music uh, the Matt Lehman scrum of the week yeah <laughs> much like the Land Rover power play yeah, yeah, like, like the lad, but but then, but then we must have special intro music, like da na 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 na, scrum of the week. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I will. I can do that. We just need to make sure that uh, there's a bit of a pause, yeah. so I can put it into editing. Hold on, scrum <laughs> of the week. Anything else, Matt? You want to add? Um, no. Look, okay, otherwise I'm just going to be repeating everyone else. I think everyone said yeah. everything that needed to be said about uh, the box. Geez, so it seems like <laughs> it's, 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 always, it's always cuck having to go through these things. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, That's man. okay. I, I knew none of you were going to step on my scrum story, so it's fine. I was happy, uh, <laughs> happy I got what I wanted. So it seems my 7.5 to 7 is, is a little optimistic. All right, just a quick turn to New Zealand. Matt, we could start with you. Um, I'll oh, go last if you want to chip in New Zealand. Just um, in terms of the Oaks, who you think did well and uh, did poorly? Just the overall assessment of New Zealand in this guy in this match. I don't know. If, I know everyone's saying Sunny Bull did poorly, but I'm hearing he 
he had he made a lot of tackles. He didn't do a lot of sunny ball things. He wasn't the the out and out runner. He wasn't doing all his chicken wing offloads and all that. But he was there on a couple of good tack, sort of significant tackles in that. And I think he was playing a more defense. He was for I think more better better to say we forced him to play a more defensive game than what he's necessarily used to. So I don't know if he deserves to be called. You know that he had a shocking game or whatever. I think it was just we forced him to play a game he's not used to, and he did all rightish. Naholo, on the other hand, was terrible. I'm sorry. Um, There was one point he was, like, trotting. He wasn't even bothering to run. He was just jogging around. Like, his head was completely out of the game. Um, Mm. I'm surprised there wasn't a punch-up in that game because, fuck, in the first 15 to 30 (laughs) minutes, it looked like there there was going to... We were going to see a punch. And, uh, I don't know. I like... I'm curious if Hansen noticed that having Bowden at 15 and Moanga at 10 actually was quite a good idea. I wonder if he noticed that at all or not. Slacker. Who could have have seen that coming? And he's coached the Walsh before, which I think speaks volumes about what Hansen's about. No, no, I know. So, yeah. So, (laughs) so, yeah. Actually, what I think did well for the New Zealanders was their bench. And then their poor performances, yeah, is sort of their... Not their outside backs, because that'd be unfair calling Ben Ben Smith a bad performance. But yeah, their sort of wings didn't have the best performance. Yes, Rico got a try, but I think that was that his try was against the the run of game time that he'd been having the the rest of that game. Uh, Done. Okay. Uh, ben, what, what, what do you think about um, the Yeah. Just on yeah, I don't I don't think they had their best game. I, to be honest, I don't think they had their their worst game either. Like like if they like some of the games against like France and stuff they got away with bang averages performances. Yeah. Uh, in terms of players, I thought their their tight five held up quite well. Scott Barrett had a few kind of brain farts, but apart from that, it was all right. Um, Tim Perry when he came on was terrible. God, he was bad. Yeah, I, think I, that was, the I, that I was, was watching the him. Team. I was watching him warming up, and TJ Perinara was running warm ups. Um, on the side uh, and he was like pushing Oaks you could see he's like a senior respected member of the squad Perry I felt was half assing his push ups and uh, line runs personally speaking so this doesn't surprise me because he gave oh, up yeah. the, the dead end of try didn't he uh, he yeah, was well, the man he, who he, he got tackle. stepped a few times and yeah. like he just he just seemed a bit behind the pace yeah but yeah, but, yeah I, I didn't I didn't think uh, Kieran Reid had a particularly good game. Like, he kind of seemed a bit out of it, and he didn't seem to be managing the ref very well either, which I would say is a a big strength of his. Aaron Smith, I think think it's very hard to play scrum half against Faf, especially when he's on, because he's just a a pest, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then... um, yeah, otherwise, I thought they were, yeah, I echo you on Naholo, and I echo you on Ben from accounts had a had an average game by his standards, but I think, to be honest, if he was another player, he just probably wouldn't warrant mention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Ardi Sevilla had a good game. I think he had, yeah, he had good yeah, impact yeah. when he came was, he, he was yeah. uh, excellent. He made two, ca- how many carries? He made six carries for two meters. So he was very much in, in the thick of it. Uh, Alex, wow. uh, just, just okay. give, I'm, sorry, I'm looking at the uh, stats. Uh, yeah, your thoughts? Uh, on, okay. on I've got, I've got, v, I've got three uh, very specific points to make. Um, I'll try and keep it brief. The first <laughs> one we've already discussed: Richie Moanga coming on won the game for the All Blacks. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I've said it before. 
I think he's the best fly-off in New Zealand. I don't think he's a better rugby player than Bowden Barrett. But like you said just now, uh, Bowden Barrett at fullback and Richie Mwanga at 10 is probably their best combination with Ben Smith at, at, at right wing. Ben Smith's a better fullback than Bowden Barrett. But in terms of comparative advantage, I think having those three players on the field is better than having Bowden, Ben Smith, and Naholo. In terms has, of has, has Bowden played 12 before? No, but it, I don't know. I don't think his defense is really. Yeah, he's not. Not I don't. I wouldn't put him at twelve. Like he's he's a good he's good at cover defense because he's quick enough as a fullback. But like his front on defense, just as a number twelve in that channel, I don't think is really going to cut it for him. Yeah, I uh, guess I guess it's like uh, fine. He can he can tackle Esther Hazen once or twice, but fifth uh, time Esther Hazen lines him up, he might <laughs> be a bit cut for him. Yeah. But yeah, so I think Richie Moinger coming on was, was a godsend for them. I think that was really important for the result. Uh, then the, my second point, uh, Shannon Frizzell is not uh, a test blindside flank. Mm. He's, not, he's, not up to, he's not up to that level as a blindsider. And I think I mentioned very, very briefly earlier, that is actually probably the All Blacks' biggest weakness at the moment, is that blindside position. They don't have anyone who can do the job that Peter Steftitoy does. Um, and they're really, really, really missing someone like Jerome Kano, um, or there was someone else that they had lined up for that position the other a while ago. Uh, yeah, so I think that's a real, Squire, that's a really big... a like yeah. Sorry, Squire, of course, it's Squire. Yeah, Squire. I think I, I don't know if he's necessarily a better rugby player than Frizzell, but for that particular job, I think they need him. They need someone with with his just. I was often very, very like critical about the selection of Squire, but now I've seen them play without Squire. I've, I've kind of understood Squire's purpose a lot more. Yes. Yeah, he's their version of Peter Steff, just a slightly nastier version. Um, he's their blunt. He's the closest they've got to a blunt instrument. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the thing. So they, that, that I think was a big surprise. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my final point, which I think covers a lot of what you guys picked up with some of the All Black players maybe not having their heads in the game. This might sound weird. I think that we won the hacker. Mm-hmm. I think that they didn't seem very into the hacker. And from where I was sitting, maybe Adam, you can give us a better perspective. Mm. It sounded like the Loftus crowd was pounding them out. Oh yeah, we, uh, Ooh, we, we couldn't we couldn't hear shit. Uh, yeah. Like I, honestly, watching the hacker, I didn't get the usual like tingle of fear of like God, here come the All Blacks. I felt like we were taking them on, like not the not the Springboks, but the the crowd, the South Africans were like challenging them during their own hacker, and I felt like they didn't win the hacker, like they didn't get that edge that they normally start the game with, where they're all, like, amped up and ready to fuck us, ready to fuck us up. And I think that maybe filtered through into some of the players, because, like you said, guys like Perry were half-assing their warm-ups. <laughs> guys like Kieran Reed didn't seem to have their head in the game, the whole of trotting around. Like, they didn't seem into it. Like, they didn't seem to get into the mood for the game. So I think that's actually a, a sometimes overlooked aspect of, of these fixtures, is, like, the mental approach... Yeah, yeah. Like, like I do think mm. we use home advantage as well. Okay, can I can I just make two points about the hacker quickly? Yeah, and then I need to get into my thing before we do the feature. We're running out of time. I need to leave soon. Yeah, so. yeah. Sorry. Um, sorry. One, we kept we kept our tracksuit pants on. So after the hacker, this is true. We made the wait. 
made him wait like a minute to go. So so I think even like Alex said, it, it felt like quite an ineffective pucker. And at yeah. the same, we we delayed it even more, kind of letting the magic fade even more. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you know, you take any advantage you can get. And also, for the hacker, could we not sing Ole 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 to drown it out? Could we come up with a different chant? Because Ole Ole like, Ole is... Yeah, even, even like Shoshua or this national anthem, like, there's got to be something. Yeah, let's yeah. sing Shoshua while they're doing the hacker. Can that be Can that be the new thing? Because Ole Ole Ole, it's French, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it is, oh, it's well, pretty boring. Let everyone know. Although Loftus loves that... that <laughs> Loftus loves playing that trumpet noise as well. I didn't hear, any, yes- I didn't hear any yesterday, uh, to be honest. Yeah, for a change. Uh, and the anthem was Chias. That was, that was fucking awesome, oh. just being, being there for the anthem. Um, okay, well, just, just, quick, just uh, my quick takeaways uh, before we go into the feature. I think New Zealand had a problem um, at centre. I wasn't impressed at all with Sonny Bill. Uh, I, think he's, I think he's past it, personally speaking. Good Hugh being injured. I know we discussed it in the group before the game. Helped us a lot. Um, I feel like Crotty will be more effective with Goodhue or ALB um, alongside them. Uh, but Sonny Bill, if you can stop it from chicken chicken winging, uh, you stop him. So I think at centre, uh, New Zealand have a bit of a problem. The fact that they've now figured out that they can move Bowden at 15 and Muanga at 10 scares the living shit out of me. That That's really, really concerning. Uh, Broder Tannock was missing. He's going to add a shitload to it. I agree with you guys. Big time in Frizzell. I don't think he's international quality. The fact that he got taken off uh, said a lot. And uh, Artie Sevier, I, I don't know whether he... I feel bad for him because he's always outstanding when he comes off the bench. He does it does usually a very good job at the bench, but when starting, he sometimes isn't as effective. So I don't really know what to think, think about that. And I think Cody Taylor is nailed on as the All Blacks hooker, even if Dan Coles comes back. Uh, I think Taylor, jeez, yeah. he, he was really good. Um... Overall, uh, they weren't that great, but uh, they did the business, and they will get stronger in certain departments. I do wonder about their loose trio, though. I think the fact they need that Squire figure will add a bit of balance. Uh, just quick rating, guys, for, for the All Blacks for their rugby championship. Uh, I'd probably maybe give it a... I don't know, it's a bit weird. They won, but they weren't as <laughs> dominant. It was, it was a bit strange. I'd probably give it 8 out of 10. Uh, they should have won in Wellington, and they came back and won here. Uh, just your quick ratings before we do the end of match feature, end of pod feature. Excuse me. Uh, seven. Uh, Matt. Seven and a half. I'll give them a first, like barely a first. <laughs> uh, hmm. and, and Ben. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say somewhere around. Yeah, I'd say seven. I, I don't think they were as good as they could be, but then again, <laughs> they did win the rugby championship. Like, by like whatever it was, 10 points so they did, they did alright and the box came second at least which is good uh, right Alex just before very quickly not very quickly uh, our end of pod feature Alex can you please take us mm. away uh, on, on this one sure have you sure. got it so, um, I've got it I've got it yeah I managed to pull it up yeah. on my phone um, can you guys still hear me okay yep okay cool uh, so the feature is basically premised upon this uh, new story that came out this week which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of already the miracle at Brighton being the Japanese victory over South Africa, the 2015 Rugby World Cup in the group stages, uh, is being turned into a feature film by the Australians, of course. Uh, they apparently don't care enough about 
uh, rugby union to maintain their Fox Sports fantasy website, but they are going to pour millions of, of Aussie dollars into making a film about us losing one game. So we got to thinking, if you're going to make a film about the, uh, about the Springboks losing a game to Japan, who do you cast for the Springbok team? You know, you got to get the full t- the full 15. It's we're not going to half-ass it like we did with Invictus. Um, you can't just spend all your budget on Matt Damon. You got to spread it around the the, the squad because everyone's got to be accurately represented, right? So the question then is, which actors, um, you know, past or present, do you get to play each player in the Springbok uh, 23 for that game? So I'll quickly run through the the full team that played against Japan in 2015. Uh, it was Beast, Bismarck, Yanni, Lurt, Victor, Francois Peter Steptetoy, Skulkberger, Ruan Pinar, Pat Lambie, Loisin Volvo, John de Villiers, Jesse Creel, Brian Abana, Zan Kirshner. And then on the bench, and, uh, Andre Strauss, uh, sorry, Adrian Strauss, Trevor Yakani, Kuni Ostezen, Ivan Itzbeth, Sir Khaleesi, Fru Dupreer, Andre Pollard, and JP Peterson, with Heineken May as the coach. So, uh, do you guys want me to just read out the, the list of actors that we selected? Yes. And then yeah. we can we can discuss briefly. Um, yeah. So, okay. So I think for for Beast, it was there was not there was not very much debate for this one. Idris Elba, he's already played one South African hero in Long Walk to Freedom, so I think it's <laughs> fair to say that he's he's well placed to represent Beast, uh, another in quotation marks South African hero. Uh, so Idris Elba, uh, specifically uh, calling back to his, his performance as Stringer Bell in The Wire. Tight. Now for, Biz- for Bismarck Duplessis, I've got down Adam Baldwin. Baldwin. Uh, if you don't know who Adam Baldwin is, you can look him up. He's actually not one of the Baldwin brothers, but he was in. Uh, is he the not Ar- I just re- he's not. I remember him from Chuck, which was a really terrible show that they had on MF for a while. Yeah, and I, I don't know. That. I just think. Yeah, I don't know. He just looks exactly like. He looks exactly yeah, like. Um, I should have lost the thing here. Yeah, uh, but anyway, so I, I think he. I think he looks like. Uh, like. No, he's, he's definitely. I remember him from uh, Firefly. Yeah, and remember, like a lot of you guys are gonna have to beef up a bit for these roles. But anyway, we backed him. <laughs> Yanni Duplessis, um, Mickey Rourke, from The Wrestler. <laughs> I, feel um, like, I feel like that's a bit insulting to Yanni and his face. And you know his handsomeness. Ah, uh, is he that handsome? I don't know. Like, I think. <laughs> I, 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 think I think it's more It's that sort of stringy kind it's, of nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, hasn't been washed, and yeah, and like also the kind of the washed-up, you know, former star. And he's also got. I think he's got the least. I think of oh, most okay. of these cars, he's one of the closer body shapes as well that we've got. Yeah, think, that's true. List. So yeah, Mickey Rourke for Yanni Duplessis. Then Lord Diago was actually probably the easiest one. We've got Angus T. Jones, who is uh, from Two and a Half Men. He's he's the half man from Two and a Half Men. He's the kid. Um, for this one, we're going to need to use some perspective camera work, kind of like they did with Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much spot on. Uh, then for Victor Matfield, so this one's a bit controversial. I've got Sean Connery for Victor Matfield. He might have to dye his hair, but other than that, I think he he's got the eyebrows, which is like the main feature that you need, and the beard. To be um, fair, I don't know if you guys. He's also, he's also got a distinguished air, which I think yeah, really, yeah. It's, a, it's part of Victor. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. The other one that I thought of, the other one I thought of that he might need to, he might need to put on a little bit of weight for it, is Viggo Mortensen. Played Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. He could do it. He's got the, he's got the, he's got the hair. Yeah, he's yeah. got the hair. And he can grow this scruffy beard. He's just yeah. Uh, the eyes are too light, but otherwise, I think you could do it. I mean, we do. We're already playing perspective games with Lurt. We may as well dub, double down on Victor. That's true. Yeah. All right, Flynn. And then for Francois Lowe, now I've got Channing Tatum for Francois Lowe because yeah. I actually think they look pretty similar. Yeah. No, I could. Well, I, I, yeah, I could sell that. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you Channing Tatum will also be the only guy who would have to actually bulk down for this role as well. Then. <laughs> yeah. And he's, and he's got some, some sweet dance moves, so we can find a way to work that into the script. Um, <laughs> he's trying celebrations. He can dance with karaoke Bob. Yeah. For Peter Steff to toy, I've got Dolph Lundgren. Um, for Peter Steff to toy. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> using time time travel shenanigans. In, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically, it's specifically from his role in Rocky, not like not re- not the recent Dolph Lundgren. Old, yeah, because I was about to say old Dolph, but even in Rocky, he's kind of like Peter Steff to toy in like ten years. You know, when he's had a few tough injuries, like he's had to come through some <laughs> stuff, he's had a drug problem. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Young, young love. I, I hope. Steph's career just goes from strength to strength. Yeah, yeah much, much like Dolph Lundgren's has. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so then moving on. For Scott Berger, we, we've kind of cheated a little bit here because we've gone with Philip Seymour Hoffman to play Scott. Yeah. He's um, and he's obviously... So I, don't, I don't mean to put the kibosh in this, but can we, we need to speed this up. I need to leave. Uh, okay. Alright, all right, I'm just going to run through the rest of them very quickly. Then. Ruan Pienaar is going to be played by... Um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Milo Ventimiglia. Um, he played Peter Petrilli in Heroes. He's going to be Ron Pinar. Uh, yeah. Pat Lamb is going to be played, going to be played by Josh Hutchison, who <laughs> is Peter in Hunger Games. He's got the same boyish face. That's true. Uh, Rosie is going to be cakes. played by also very yeah exactly very good with cakes. Rosie is going to be played by uh, Michael K. Williams, who was Omar in The Wire. Um, we need to cover up his, his, his scar and give him a bit of a beard, but otherwise I think he's actually got it. A man must have a uh, Jean... <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. Um, Jeanville is going to be played by Gary Busey, and I, I challenge anyone to tell me that Gary Busey and Jean Villiers are not the same person. Actually, um, yeah, I'm just thinking back to Point Break, Gary Busey. He fits the face quite well. Right. Right, it's yeah. like it's uncanny. I, 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 right. I think we need we, we need to post like on Twitter like two a day just so they can see because you put in a lot of work into this, Alex, yeah. and it's actually really good. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll, I'll 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 put some up. Uh, Jesse Quill will be played by Henry Cavill, uh, currently Superman. Can I suggest um, that he that he keeps a snore because I really think Jesse Quill would look good playing with a snore. I think he would too, but I don't think he wants to uh, you know damage his his cathedral. Of a face. Matt, Matt, Matt um, we, we've, talked, we've talked about this. Jesse Creel just plays rugby to stay fit so he can be a good men's health model. Like, like he would yeah. never get stash, okay? This is his side hustle. All right, then, uh, so Brian Habana is, let me do Brian Habana and J.P. Peterson together because they're, they're a pair. Brian Habana and J.P. Peterson are going to be played by Key and Peel from the Key and Peel sketch show. Um, I, don't, I don't think I need to tell you which one's which. <laughs> like, I actually think that, that Jordan Jordan Peele would be an amazing Brian Habana. <laughs> it'd be difficult. 
The, our only problem is Jordan Peele's not focusing on directing, so we're going to have to sh- cut him a big check to get him to, to take he up can, He can do both. He can act and direct this feature Ooh. film. I think he'll appreciate Ooh, it. Think- Oh, Matt, like uh, Matt, I don't no. think you know this movie. This movie is being sponsored by the might of the Australian government. Like they can't afford yeah. anything. And we're not getting Matt Damon, so we have we have extra budget. Like, yeah. they, they can't even keep needles out of strawberries. How are they going to film a movie? <laughs> okay, then Zane Zane Kirshner is going to be played by Eric, Eric Andre uh, from the Eric Andre Show. You can look him up if you don't know what he looks like. I, I couldn't find anyone on, on the planet Earth that looks remotely similar to Zane Kirshner. Besides Sideshow Bob, besides Sideshow yeah. Bob, really. <laughs> then Strauss is going to be played by Ethan Supley, who you you maybe have never heard of, but if you he's the, the fat white guy with blonde hair in Remember the Titans, <laughs> um, and he was also in My Name's Earl, and yeah, I think he looks like a dead dead ringer for for Adrian Strauss. Trevor Yakan is going to be played by Hannibal Buress. He's also from the Eric Andre Show. Wow, um, I think they look pretty similar. Um, Kuni Oosthuizen is going to be played by Michael Starr from Goodfellas. Um, he's also the, the mafia insurance salesman from The Office. And you know, I think he looks pretty similar to Kuni Oosthuizen. Yemen yeah, Smith, that's an easy one. He's being played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, <laughs> then uh, Sia Khaleesi, also I think quite an easy one. Michael B. Jordan uh, from The Wire. He played Wallace. No, not yeah, he played Wallace in The Wire. And like you probably know him. Instead of from Creed, you know, where he's more famous for. Creed, oh yeah, Creed or Black Panther, he was Killmonger, and yeah. he was also a running back in Friday Night Lights, season three. And I'm not the, mistaken. the worst Fantastic Four movie. And the worst Fantastic Four movie, he was the Human Torch. But I know him as Wallace from The Wire. And I think he looks like, if you give him a bit of, a, bit of a beard and the, the right hairstyle, then I think he's a dead ringer for Sia Khaleesi. His ears aren't right. Sia Khaleesi's got very funny ears. He's got tiny little ears. Oh, we uh, can do it in CGI. Anyway, we can do that in CGI. Then Fruit of Prayer, this one's controversial, but I think, yeah, I couldn't really think of anyone who looks like him. We will force him not to have any speaking roles, and we're going to keep him far away from from any of the, the cast, other cast members. But Fruit of Prayer is going to be played by Kevin Spacey, um, <laughs> just because Bull. we need someone with a receding, hair, a receding hairline. Um, and let's face it, like, Fruit of Prayer doesn't talk that much anyway. We, we could save a lot of budget on that, because I'm sure Kevin's desperate for roles at the moment, so we could definitely... He'll, yeah, he'll just do it for the coverage, um, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, he, he just needs some positive publicity right now, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Kevin Spacey from The Usual Suspects, he'll be free to prayer. Then Henri Pollard, this is a difficult one. I went with Joshua Jackson from Fringe. Uh, but really, yeah, this one I'm, I'm open to suggestions on, because I really struggled with Henri Pollard. Um, but anyway, then J.P. Peterson, I've already discussed, he's going to be played by Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peele. Um, yeah, he's got, the, he's got the bald head for it. Otherwise, the other option for him would have been uh, the guy who plays Turk in Scrubs. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know, know what his name is. And then finally, Heineke Mayer is going to be played by Daniel Day-Lewis from Gangs of New York uh, in his final role before he retires for good this time. This time he really means it. Um, this will be his final Oscar-winning performance as Heineke Mayer in The Miracle in Brighton. I actually like the idea of uh, Day-Lewis because he loves going method, so he's going to end up coaching the box for like four years as well before the movie even gets filmed. <laughs> exactly. That's, he'll probably do, be really good at that too. All right, okay. yeah, cool. Sorry, Adam. 
I've got to go. Um, so if you, if you have been listening, thank you very much uh, for listening. And we will be back next week. There's no rugby on. I think there's some Curry Cup. So we'll, we'll chat a little bit about the Curry yeah, Cup. And Alex, and Alex, thanks very much for putting in the effort for that. We very much appreciate it. Please send that to me. Then thank we can you. post it on Twitter so people can see. Uh, okay, okay, we'll do. We can find some photos as well. You have to see it with the photos, though. So I think we should. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get the photos. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sort we'll that out. We'll put up a few a day. Um, so you can yeah, catch we'll us on SoundCloud, iTunes, we'll and, and Acost. And otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Gentlemen, uh, Alex, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. Enjoy your cricket. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, ben, thank, thank you for, for joining us. Oh, cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, thank you for, for being here. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, th- thanks for listening. And thanks, guys, for not making fun of me about Loftus. Cheers. <laughs>